we read together Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. This is the same passage that we looked at in the morning, and this evening we seek to concentrate on a few verses from that. The Bible reads as follows. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they say to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, In the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned, In a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. In the early 80s, we used to walk to go and see the president of the Republic of Zambia passing. We used to walk long distances and we used to wait for him, not until he has passed. Are we going to leave? So he was the main man in Zambia. Today, we have people who sometimes go to their traditional ceremonies because their king is performing one or two things. There are people who do so because 
They know the importance of those ceremonies and some it's simply because they are subjects of these men and so they want to go to their chief and indeed do whatever practice and paying homage and all those things. Because they deem this man very important. Because they deem or they think that this particular ceremony is important. Well, this evening we have a passage before us of a number of people called wise men who embarked on a journey to go and see their king. They did so, as we saw in the morning, amidst so many difficulties. But these people were determined to go and see their king. Notice with me that their journey is not just to go and have a glimpse of the king. Their journey is to go and render worship. Their journey is to go and worship this savior, the king, the child that we see here was reported to have been born in this place. Therefore, the concentration this evening is in verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. We are interested in the word worship. In verse 8, we see that King Herod also told these wise men that he wanted to worship him also. So apart from verse 11, we see verse 8 also carrying this word worship. Not just there, but we also see in verse 2 that these people who came, the wise men, came to worship him. Now, what we see here is that the worship does not just happen right there and then. The actual worship, so to speak, was to happen when they find this young child. And we see that it was a process indeed for them to actually see this child and render their worship. Beloved friends, beloved brethren, this passage that we have just read is not just talking about Christmas, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has a very clear and important teaching about worship. And so I suggest to you that we have a number of lessons regarding worship from this particular passage of Scripture. And as we consider this worship which was driven by nativity, which means that this worship was driven by the story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, we notice that these men worship because of what has happened. During this 
festive period and especially today, and as we considered in the morning the biblical response which is recommended of us, how we ought to respond to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that worship is the ultimate response. It is the ultimate response. Let us go to this passage and observe this worship driven by nativity. First of all, and before we go into the, the, the verses here, we need to define worship. We talk about worship so many times. We prepare ourselves to come to worship. We do pray for worship on Sunday. We involve ourselves in what we call worship. But what is worship? The simple definition of worship is this. Literally, to bend over or to bow down. It describes a gesture of respect and submission to God. A gesture of respect and submission to God. So when these wise men come to worship, it is actually showing their respect to the newborn king. It shows that they are submitting to him. It shows that they are coming before him in humility. Therefore, worship is humbling ourselves and coming to God with reverence in submission to him. And that's exactly what we see these people doing here. They lie down. They throw themselves on the floor. They are saying, we are not above you. You are our king. And just like we see today how people address their kings, they obviously do not go before their kings with their hands in the pockets. They, they don't stand when they are talking to their kings. They humble themselves. And so is the picture of worship. And so when we talk about this worship driven by nativity, we are talking about a people who are driven to humble themselves before God because of this story that the one who is born is the king. They awaited Messiah as it were. Let us observe a few things about this worship. Firstly, let us look at the worshippers, the people who are worshipping here. And I do not want to refer to the one who is mentioned in verse 8 because he was not truthful when he said, so that I go and worship also. He did that in deception. He did that so that he could get the information and go and eliminate the king, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the worshippers that we are talking about are the ones that are found in verse 2. They are the ones that are found in verse 11. And these are the wise men. So, the worshippers in this particular passage are the wise men. And these wise men, we noticed in the morning a few things about them. 
Of course, they are also thought to be kings, but we reminded ourselves that the phrase wise men means the magi. The magi were men that were skilled in philosophy as we heard. They were also skilled in medicine. These are the worshippers. They were also skilled in religion and in natural science. In other words, the worshippers that we see here are not just like any simple man of that particular society. We may say this, that these were men with a profession. These were learned men. These were important men. They had an occupation. They were busy men. They had something to do in life as opposed to what we may see today, that some of the people who may be so devoted to the things of God, devoted to worship, are men who are probably not too busy with life, are men who are probably not in employment. They are men probably who are waiting to go into university. They don't have so much to do. But the worshippers that we see here are men who will say we are busy. This is what we see about the worshippers. We are talking about men who had their hands full as it were. Their plates full as it were. But we also notice something about these worshippers, that they were one. What we read here is that they were doing things together. There is no mention of any rift. There is no mention of pulling each other left, right. All we see is this smooth running of their quest to find this baby or this child and worship him. They were one. And we see that they had one common goal. And that goal was to worship God. To worship this king who was born. That's what was driving them. And that's what they had in common. Worship. Beloved, we see that these people were co-workers. These people were agreed, I must emphasize. And this reminds me of Amos chapter 3 and verse 3. Can the two walk together unless they are agreed? This is what we see about the worshippers. And what we see about these worshippers is a challenge to you and me. And the challenge is this, that these men gave no excuse to embark on this journey to go and worship Christ. The challenge we have is that these men left everything that they had and embarked on this journey, despite having these occupations and all that they had, they embarked on that journey. Beloved friends, Worship is not just for people who do not have things to do. Worship is not for people 
not just for people who are waiting to go into university. Worship is not just for people who are skilled in a certain way. Worship is for all creatures of God. And in fact, for those who are saved, worship is a must. Humbling themselves to God in submission to God, bending down, acknowledging Him as their King, is a must. That's what we see about these worshippers. What else do we see? Let us consider their worship. Their worship, as we see in verse 2, which reads as follows, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I'm interested in they have come to worship him. Have come. Verse 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. What we see about their worship, which was obviously driven by nativity, is that it was intentional. The men came to Jerusalem with the sole purpose of worship. And when we say it was intentional, we are simply saying it was not by accident. They had planned in their hearts that they were going to worship. It means that they took time to plan and to think about how they are going to do this worship and how they are going to just present themselves before God. It was intentional. Worship was the reason why they left their homeland. Worship was the reason why they brought their treasure. Worship was the reason why they journeyed. They started off from wherever they were simply because they had this at the back of their mind. We are going to worship. It was intentional. They had their hearts set on, the, on coming before God to worship him. They were motivated within their hearts to rise and go. It was intentional. Beloved brethren, as we read this story and as we see this worship driven by nativity, we must learn one thing that worship must be intentional. We should determine in our hearts every time we are going to worship. We should determine in our hearts every song, every prayer, every sermon, every deed, and we must do this every day. For these people, it was intentional. They were aiming for this worship, and so should we. We should be aiming for it. Our worship of Him ought to be intentional also. 
We should come to the house of God with one goal, to worship. Worship shouldn't just be something that happens. To these people, the wise men, it was not an accident. It just didn't happen as they were walking, as they were doing their business. It wasn't just an accident. And it shouldn't just be something that happens to us, but rather should be intentional. It should be something we seek to do. It should be something that we plan for. It should be something that we look forward to. The second thing that we see about their worship is that it was volitional. Very similar to being intentional, but when we say it was volitional, we mean it wasn't on gunpoint. It wasn't under duress. It wasn't something that was forced upon them. We do not read of these people being whipped or being, you know, chased. We don't see these people being threatened to go and worship. We don't see these people being commanded by other people in such a way that they have no other option. We see that it was volitional. In other words, they were compelled to embark on this journey of worship. They were compelled to worship. And this means also that they were convinced beyond any reasonable doubt in their hearts that this was the right thing for them to do, to worship. Their hearts were set. It was within themselves without being forced. It was an act of the will that they went to worship and embarked on this worship. Beloved, we ought not to worship, we ought not to sing because the congregation is singing. We ought not to bow down before God just because others are doing it. It must come from our heart. It must be volitional, volitional as it were. I'm reminded of the phrase that one of your pastors likes using, just because others are doing it, I will also sing. It should not be like that. It should come from the heart. Verse 2 simply underlines this. It was an act of their wills. They determined in their hearts that they would worship him. No one forced them to leave their homeland. They did it all by themselves. No one held a gun to their heads and made them bow before the Lord to worship. They did so because it came from their hearts. Beloved friends, not only do we see that this worship was volitional, we also see that this was also sacrificial. The worship that we see here was sacrificial. It was sacrificial in this sense. Number one, 
They traveled many kilometers. They traveled from where they were, and it was not a short distance that they were to go and find this king. It was a long distance. Therefore, it signifies that it was sacrificial. These people also do not just show that their worship was sacrificial by walking so many kilometers. We also see that they brought expensive gifts. It was sacrifice. They gave sacrificially as it were. What we see when we examine their worship is that it was sacrificial in the sense that they spent their time to go and worship. They also brought treasures and their testimony was also at stake. Remember, the king was waiting for them. He was waiting for that report. But these people embarked on this journey. And I must be thinking that they very well knew in their hearts that they were not going back the same direction to go and give this report to the king. It was sacrificial. These men came before the Lord. They gave him gifts. And the gifts there are expensive. Especially when you just talk about gold. Beloved brethren, worship is supposed to be sacrificial. Worship is costly in terms of time. We must set aside a time like on a Sunday and obey what the Lord has said. That it is a day of rest, but it is also a day dedicated to worship God. It costs time as it were. Many of us are not like these wise men. We don't have time for God. We don't have time for worship. In fact, we negotiate. In fact, when there is an opportunity to work and to be called upon to go and perform some duty, we even feel relieved to be away from worship. But not so with these men. It was costly to them in terms of time. They made time for their God. Most of us can be at church in a few minutes. It cannot be compared to the long journey that these men embarked on. And it was a journey of days. That is worship. Costing time. Costing our resources. Costing our testimony. Sometimes people laugh at those who are devoted to worshiping their God. Sometimes they get mocked because they are worshippers. And sometimes we see young converts, they even feel like they should not come out in the open. They should not say they are going to church. And because they think they are going to be mocked, it is costly even in terms of your testimony. 
And this is the kind of worship that we see in this story of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. A very expensive worship as it were. So much about time. I must also emphasize the gifts they presented. They did not give the things that they did not have need for. They gave sacrificially. They gave things from deep down their hearts. They had set in their hearts that they were going to give these important gifts. Notice with me that they started off with these gifts. They were along that journey with these gifts. It was not an afterthought. And before they arrive, that's when they start thinking about what they are going to give the Lord. They had set it in their hearts. Is it not what Paul tells the, 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 the Corinthian church? That they should set each one of them in their hearts how much they are going to give. I know it is about offering, but offering is an act of worship. The kind of gifts. They presented expensive. It was sacrificial. And this kind of giving reminds us that only a people who know that whatever I have, whatever I possess belongs to God, whatever I have was given to me by the Lord, these things are a blessing and I'm simply a steward of the things that have been given to me. This was the kind of worship, sacrifice. Beloved friends, not only do we see that this worship was sacrificial, we also notice that it was personal. Although there were a number of them, we don't know how many, but of course it wasn't a crowd, we see that there is an aspect of it being personal. Verses 2 Verses 9 to 11 shows us that they did not allow others to do their worshiping for them. And that's what I mean by it being personal. They were involved. They are themselves who were involved in this worship. They did not ask another person to do it. They were involved themselves. These men involved self in worship or in the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what they did in order for us to believe and to see it that it was personal. They came in verse 2. They came from a great distance. They came by faith. And this faith, the faith, sorry, is not a faith that just, you know, resides in, in, in a particular, you know, group of people. And it is not in their hearts, but it is just something that, you know, is common among them. Something that is not personal. This was personal. It was in their hearts. It was just not over their heads. They had a personal worship. 
they came by faith. They rejoiced when they found him in verse 10. They humbled themselves before him. In verse 11, they willingly lavished their gifts upon him. In verse 11, their worship involved self. They involved all the self they possessed, things they involved that. Their hearts were involved in their worship. Therefore, when we say their worship was personal, we mean this, that it was from their heart and they did not ask other people to worship. It was a personal thing, a thing that came from their heart as we saw. In application, beloved brethren, our worship also has to be personal. Too many people in our modern churches today do not worship. Others worship by proxy. And yet, they can fully be involved in this worship. That is, they let others do the singing. And sometimes we see it in our churches and especially young people. It is not cool to sing. And so Mr. Botta, since he's got an, an angelic voice from, from Eastern Province, he's going to do our singing for us. No, since our brother uh, Mubanga is able to sing, they will do it. Uh, Pastor Mbea, they will do it. And so there is this element of people in a practical sense and in application where they come to worship and yet they do not participate. They are part of the worship but they are absent. They are part of the group, but they are not there. And the young people will tell you that they've zoned out. These people, we see that their worship was personal. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this, brethren, that when you come to worship, it is you and your God. When you come to worship, it is your heart and God, you are in the congregation where they are singing, but God is interested in your heart. They were in the company of these other wise men, but their hearts were where the, 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 the star was. It was personal. True worshippers worship from their hearts. Remember, in John, God is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot preach or you cannot worship rather in truth if it is not coming from your heart. We quickly move. We move on and we notice something also very important about this worship. In verse 11, it is very clear that their worship was what I would term theocentric. It was a theocentric worship, meaning it was God-centered. It was centered on Christ, the newborn king, they did not worship the mother. They are not worshiping the one who was carrying this child. 
their worship is specifically addressed to this king who is born and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. God-centered worship. So this worship that is driven by divinity or not divinity, by nativity, it is a God-centered worship driven by the story of God, driven by the thought of redemption. Where else can they turn to in terms of worship? It is to this same God. It was God-centered. Beloved brethren, when worship is not God-centered, it is not worship. It is a show. When worship is not God-centered, God does not receive anything. When it is not centered on him, how does he bless you? When you are not thinking and meditating on him, how does he bless your gathering? You are not worshiping. True worship is God-centered. And when we say God-centered, it is solely God-centered without any additions. Without turning to the left or to the right, only centered on God. A worship that is not God-centered brings confusion. It is a show. It is a performance. It is an act of the Pharisees whose hearts are far away from God. They honor him with their lips, but their hearts are far away. And if their hearts are far away, there is no connection with God. And if there is no connection with God, definitely it is not theocentric. We must apply it this way, beloved brethren. Whenever we come to worship God, whenever we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, he must be the center and him alone. Whenever we think of worship, we must know that he is the sole object of our worship. So many times we worship in the house of God, singing songs absent in mind, not meaning what we see, because of being in church for a long time, we can even just wake up without even looking at the hymn book and sing hymns. These hymns are in our brains. They are absent in our hearts. And it is not God-centered because it is simply in our hearts. Well, these people that we are seeing here, their worship centered on God. And notice with me that it is not just centered on God when they arrive where God is or where Christ is. It is not like they have just come and all of a sudden there is a switch and they have sent, they are now, their thoughts are centered on, on, on Christ and they are worshiping him. The centering, the thinking, the focus starts before they even see the child starts before they even meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Their focus starts as they start and they embark on this journey. Their 
sole purpose was to worship and their focus is at the beginning, not when they have arrived where they are going. Beloved friends, we must hurry on and emphasize this point that a true worship has no one in mind and in focus other than God. We must go to the third point, their motivation to worship. And I don't intend to spend so much time here because it is so clear. Their motivation to worship comes from the word they received. God spoke to them. God revealed to them. He gave them a word of re revelation about the Messiah. And so this was motivation number one. The word of God. What was spoken to them is what was driving them to stand up and to embark on this worship. In other words, any good and acceptable kind of worship is driven by the word of God. Not just by the word of God. It is driven by the knowledge of God. Because the word of God reveals the, something about God. It reveals who God is. It reveals his works. So, they were motivated by what God said to them. What God had instructed them. This willingness to go and see the Savior was not coming from without, but it had the basis and that is the word of God. Friends, a worship which does not have the support of the word of God is usually shallow. It is usually empty. This one, they had the promise of God. We too can have this promise when we come to worship. We too can be motivated because of what God has said to us. We too can be encouraged by words like where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in their midst. This is a promise of God. It is an encouragement, a word of God. It is a promise. Their motivation to worship comes from the knowledge of the Savior. They knew this was a king. And that is why they went. They knew he was not just like any other child, but a king. That's why they went to worship him. They knew when they had an encounter with him that this is indeed a king and this is God. And that's what drove them even to bend over, to fell down and, and, and to worship this God. This is because of their knowledge of the Savior. They knew he was king. It was also something to do with the works of God. 
They were motivated to worship or to embark on this because of the works of God. It was a marvelous thing. It was a miracle. It was an extraordinary thing. It was a sign and it was puzzling how Christ and God would take up the form of man. And so when they saw that, they knew at the back of their minds that here is one who is to come and bear our sins. One who is to come and die for the sins of the world. Driven by those things, they kneel down in worship. Beloved friends, they were motivated to worship. And in the actual sense here in verse 11... By the sight of Jesus. Like I mentioned earlier on, this sight was worship compelling. Meaning that they couldn't avoid it. And indeed those who come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will know that he is king and they will be compelled to worship him. An encounter with the Lord reveals who he is to us. And so it was for these wise men. In this worship, they now have an encounter with the Lord, the King. And so they are compelled to worship. Beloved friends, what motivates you to worship God? What motivates you to come to church? Is it because of God's word? Is it because you want to be in the presence of the Lord together with other brethren and render your worship before him? Is it because you are obedient to him? Like these men were obedient and that is why they went to worship him? True worshippers should come motivated by the word of God, motivated by their knowledge of their God, motivated by what God has done. What then shall we say in conclusion? These wise, educated sophisticated men laid aside all the pretense all the pride and gave their adoration and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ these men resigned themselves from their daily activities these men stayed away from any other business for this sole purpose of worshiping God. They gave their time, they gave their resources, and they gave up their testimony, so to speak. When they went there, they fell down before a little boy. And they honored him as their king. The words they spoke in verse 2. The gifts they gave in verse 11. 
shows that they humbled themselves before this king. What shall we say then? We need to learn something from these men. We need to lay aside our glory. We need to lay aside our credentials as it were. Credentials that do not matter before the Lord and in his presence. We need to come to him as created beings. We need to come knowing fully that we are not like him. We need to come to him fully cognizant of our sinful nature. We need to come to him fully knowing our lapses, moral lapses, all other difficulties and all other sins, challenges that we have. We must not come to him with pride. Worship entails that we do not come with pride. There is no pride in worship or no place for pride in worship. That is what is expected of us as we think of worshiping God. He wants us to come to a place where we have abandoned all our pride, all our pretense, and come to him. He wants us to come to a place where we are willing to yield up all that we have and submit to him in humble adoration, praise, and worship. He just wants us to completely give ourselves to him. There is no greater form of worship in this world than to give ourselves to him. The conclusion and the summary of how these people worshipped is what we see in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. They gave their lives. It was a sacrifice. And I pray that this evening, as we think about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, that our response will be that to worship him, to come before him, and that this will also be a reminder that the picture that we see of the wise men worshiping should be an everyday thing. It should be an every Sunday thing. It is not a periodic kind of worship. It is not something that must be practiced only when we think about Christmas. It is something that needs to be done because Christ is still king. Christ is on the throne and that men have been implored, commanded to worship God. Or that we may be like the psalmist or the psalmists that we see here who talk about giving all they are, submitting to God in worship. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I will use the words not very precise in terms of 
bringing the point home, but emptying ourselves, not that we remain with nothing, removing the ego, removing everything, bringing ourselves before God, casting ourselves before Him, coming as we are and as we sing, just as I am, to come before Him. This is how these people worshipped. I do pray that this evening, even as we go into the second or third you know, segment of our meeting today in the sing-along, that it will be a time where you think about God. You reflect on what He has done. That when you say amen, you are saying amen because you are connected by heart. Not because your emotions are aroused. That's not worship. It should be theocentric. And that is the bottom line. This worship, it was driven by nativity. It was God-centered. I pray, beloved brethren, that you will ponder these things regarding worship. I pray that someone out there has been encouraged to render proper worship before God. Coming to church is not a club. This is not Kawata Baptist Club. It is Kawata Baptist Church. And the church comprises God's people. And the church is required to render worship. And that is the primary job that we have as God's children. It is to render worship. It is to, to, to bring these praises to Him. And that is why He has given us voices. Voices are not just for shouting, for chanting Man United, for chanting Arsenal, for chanting Inkana Football Club. They are not for just those things that you do on Facebook, TikTok. These are voices meant for us to praise Him. These are bodies meant for us to worship Him. And we must give ourselves in line with what we see in Romans 12. Sacrificing, giving our bodies. Our bodies must not be absent in offering this worship to God. Their bodies were involved. Their hearts were involved. And I pray that the Lord will bless us as we engage in this kind of worship. Amen.